Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh love, the sun is creeping Towards us, my love May we heat our backs a while And dare the lilac to smell more sweet For lilac and heat transport me so To a sense of spring Hidden deep by winters Bring two glasses As the sunlight thaws the past And lie down on the grass At the moon and swain, heft and thither, betide thy sen, and welcome to the moon underwater. It is I, John Robbins, landlord of this fabled pub, writ large in scriptures of yonder yore. <laughs> and the light, oh, the light, I must talk of the light. It has a quality to it that I can't quite put my finger on, but put my finger on, I will try. I'll keep pressing the light and thrusting my hand towards the sky as these willow trees do silhouette themselves so much in the, in the rose garden. It's a delight to be here at the moon underwater. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say... It's very interesting because the bar usually at this fabled pub is of oak or walnut or bark sometimes. It's just sort of bark. But tonight is marble. And across from this marble slab, shining, shimmering, is the lovely Robin. Hello, Robin. Hi, John. How are you today and this week? I'm good today and this week. Uh, now that I've got this marble to look at my own visage within, what do you? Th- how do you think the marble works here for for, for for a start? How does the marble work? Well, <laughs> no, does it work? Oh, I see. Right. Yeah, it's very nice. It's very smooth. It is, isn't it? Mm. 
And it's, do you know what, you know, with marble, you sometimes get those sort of slightly iridescent chips of some kind of deeper stone. Yeah, like like you might see on a kind of a very nice gravestone. Yeah, well, if you look deep within these iridescent chips, yeah. you can see your your greatest desire. <laughs> yeah, so like, like a gravestone. Yeah, like a gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a tricky week because... In the uh, in the other realm, the rubbish realm, you get ill, and I've got I've got COVID nineteen. Oh, John, can I just remind you of a quote from last week's introduction? Yeah, John Robbins, quote: "I'm not really fussed about getting COVID, so I'm not going to bother." End quote. Yes, <laughs> that's what you said. Well, do you know I changed my mind? Okay, because I think I'd lost touch with a lot of the uh, the regulars, a lot of the regular pub goers. Mm. There was an experience that neither of us had shared, and it was having COVID nineteen. Oh, Germany crickets! How 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 was it? How has it affected you? How thick were your lines? First of all, do you know what they weren't? Sort of insanely thick. Mm. They were. I'm just looking back at some of the tests I've got here behind the bar. Yeah, because uh, I put the I put them up like uh, like some pubs do, sort of beer mats. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, my my first test, the lines relatively hefty but they sort of after a while they they do sort of fade once the paper goes back to white Mm. Um, the lines are pretty thin now okay but who knows it's been a strange old time yeah i suppose not much difference to you you kind of live in permanent self-isolation anyway don't you yeah it was a little (laughs) bit sadder than usual (laughs) oh really just a a bit more of a pal over things than normal not a pal like i'm your pal but you're my pal a a paul a paul not not paul like my friend paul i've got a friend we've got a friend called paul yeah he's not a paul no he is a bit of a paul actually isn't he what p-a-l-l yeah he's not a paul he sometimes looks like he's a bit of a paul (laughs) what do you mean a paul over the mood yeah no. But in a funny way. I'm not having that. <laughs> um, he once bought a, a dressing gown in town and then came to meet us for a drink and couldn't put it anywhere. So he just wore it the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I love Paul. He's brilliant. Um, how are you then, Robin? You, because you, j'accuse you of going to Oxford while I was laid up being a brave little boy. Yeah, that's right. I just went for the day with my friend Tom, who is in the country, he lives in Romania, and he was in the UK. So, yeah, we just we met up on Saturday and just hatched a kind of crazy, spontaneous plan. Why don't we just go to Oxford on the Sunday? And we did. Uh, it was great. He really, really delayed the gratification, though, because we did so much cultural stuff, which I don't think we... Let's, let's, it's fair to say maybe we don't when we go back to Oxford. So you did lots of cultural stuff. What did yeah. you do? We actually went into some of the colleges. Wow. No, thanks. Take me to church. <laughs> Met a lovely porter in New College, who was one of these amazing people as a conversationalist who sort of makes everything an innuendo. Even oh, if nice. it isn't, I really liked it. Because he was saying, I mean, you know, I know the couple that run the Gardener's Arms, you know. And um, if you go in there and you order a vodka and tonic, they'll bloody well give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. He was very nice. So I had a lovely walk around New College, Magdalen College. Went to the Botanic Garden, which is where the Philip Pullman bench is, if you're a fan yeah. of his dark materials. The tear between the worlds. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, and then, thence... 
we went to the Rose and Crown North Parade, and we and to, we both said we wanted to preserve that moment in aspic. Yeah, it was just the you know that was the the best moment, and also went to the Gardener's Arms Plantation Road and the Jericho Tavern. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, it's that time of year. The clocks are about to go forward, and I really am. I mean, it's not nice to be self isolating when there's the first nice weather, but just the just the light. Just being able to have the back door open. Oh my god, the dusk in Jericho was sublime. You sent me a photo of the dusk yeah, in Jericho. I did, didn't yeah, you? it was so so lovely. Tom, there was a very funny moment actually, which was Tom. I'd bought the new Amy Liptrot book. Oh yeah, we've done Amy Liptrot in the pub library. She wrote the Outrun. She's got a new book out. And I was telling Tom about that brilliant quote about um, the problem with alcohol is it doesn't quite work. And he goes. <laughs> Bullshit works perfectly. <laughs> I really like that. Made me laugh. Uh, so no pub experiences for me over the past week or two, I'm afraid, mm. folks. Um, though I did go to one pub the night before I was struck down, mm. the Coffee House in Soho. Oh. A really good pint of Guinness. And I, I think I'd sort of... I'd been to the Coffee House about eight years ago and had I think I just had to have such high expectations based on the reveal because it looks like a sort of you know Dickens pub and it probably was and it's sort of a little bit screeny as in like a screen pub no screens there's a few screens oh, screeny right screeny yeah yeah so I think I was disappointed the sort of the inside didn't quite deliver on the outside but I went in on Wednesday it was really really nice superb Guinness um, so I'm going to go their way. But I have nothing to add, Robin, to our pub travails. Well, I've been sighing quite a lot. Oh, give me some <laughs> mist. But before the mist, Robin, yo, we have the small matter of thanking our patrons uh, from this month. Those who have signed up to the top tier. T-T-T. Tango, tango, tango. Um, and I, I was struck by inspiration, Robin. Um, thoughts of the sea. Oh, lovely. I like the sea. Thoughts of sails set to windward. Wait, the le- the letter C or the, the the big blue wobbly thing? The, the, the letter C floating along on the sea. Um, so let us just pray a little bit of silence for the patron's poem. The ship awaits, the boatswain's call alerts the mates. Roll barrel down the hauling plank, and the last of rum drips in the tank. Afore us now, a hull and bow, old man water and his frothing prow. But meet him not without a place, to cheer your boots and warm your face. For three decks down within the hull, a room far from whale and gull, a burnished snug with leathered boards, casks and crates, a publy hall. Three midshipmen work all day to make this room a welcome stay. 
And with their art, their toil and taste, the perfect poor, with none to waste. First up, it's Alex Herrington, who takes first sip when the herring's done. They'll serve you up a cool ceviche with vintage sherries all in reach, eh? And stocking shelves of glass and oak, it's Steve Medcraft, a steadfast bloke. He got his sea legs long ago, with six pint trays unspilt, you know. Our final mate is ye Josh Wrightham, who drinks whilst reading Enid Blyton. Come on, Josh, it's grown-ups here. Pick up the Orwell with your beer. And these three legends haunt the bar, serve every sailor near or far. They treat the leather with finest dubbin, for not every boat has got a pub in. When sail is set and sun is low, lift up the hatch and head below. Down three flights to down three pints, with all on board, the swathed in glow. And there you have it, the patron's poem. Uh, we are very close to welcoming our guest for this week to the Moon Underwater, where they will kit out their dream pub, and Robin and I will guide them through the process, hand in hand in hand. Uh, but before then, Robin, let's get back to some of that sighing you've been doing. Yes, every week I sigh for the mist to see what you have been writing to us. We've got a couple of nicknames in here, which we've been asking for, which is great. Someone here, Anon, actually, uh, says that they call... Guinness Paltrow, because it came from Gwyneth Paltrow, Guinness Paltrow, like that. I don't know why you'd want to remain anonymous, <laughs> though. Well, maybe it's Gwyneth Paltrow. Maybe it is Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow. Gwyneth. And a pint of Nelson, Nelson Mandela pint of Stella. Oh. Uh, that's from Kevin, which I quite quite like. Although he says the, one of the regulars um, who said that was a bit of a Delta hotel. Ah, um, yeah. Which is great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah. But, the, but this mist we've had in here, okay, which is from Luke, is extraordinary, okay? So we know we've been talking about pub crawls. Yes. So, dear John and Robin, after hearing you exclaim that 26 pubs was too many for a pub crawl and that one listener had attempted to do 30 pubs for their 30th, I thought I'd write to let you know about my 30 for 30 experience. For my 30th birthday, I wanted to invite as many people as possible, but I figured it might be hard to get them all in one place at the same time. So I devised a pub crawl strictly scheduled so that people could drop in and out at any point along the route. The early birds could come for the afternoon and the night owls could come for the last few drops. Mm. It worked out brilliantly. I don't know why I don't believe that. (laughs) And there was a steady flow of people throughout the day. There were four of us who did the entire thing. Whoa. Starting at 10 a.m. with the Weatherspoons breakfast, <laughs> which is not the most appetizing beginning, entering the last bar at 2 a.m. Over the 16 hours, we had an average of 33 minutes per, per pub, including the walk time to the next pub. I was going for halves of the lowest ABV available on tap to make sure I made it out the other end. 
As you discussed, there was an element of doing it to say you've done it, but also created unique memories in each of these pubs of a strange and disparate cast of people evolving with each new new location. (laughs) There was a mid-afternoon swell of all the older folks who had kids to get home to or had their own early bedtimes, and I'd say the average age of the group got lower the further we went into the evening. One of my favourite memories of the night was sitting out front of one of the later pubs wailing the music of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 into the night with my friend. Attached is a spreadsheet, yes please, for timings and the map, which might somewhat reveal that I enjoyed organising it almost as much as doing it. Well, that's the thing. If you are a true pub crawl connoisseur, a bit like... Uh, Alfred Hitchcock said that making films was boring because he'd already made them in his head. Right. That once you planned the pub crawl, you might as well just stay at home because that's the best bit. I mean, this, so it's, they, they did it in Leicester, which is a good pub town, and it is, oh my God, he's got an ID for each pub on this spreadsheet. <laughs> so let's give you for an example here. The Barley Mo was pub eight, arrive 1334. Mm. Drink twenty one minutes, leave thirteen fifty five, walk two minutes. I mean, it's so well thought out. F- food question mark. Oh my god, it's so good. You could make a pivot table from this. It'd be brilliant. What's a pivot table? A pivot table. It's you know when you can organise your data in a spreadsheet to make it kind of slightly easier to filter and present. No, I need you to be my PA. I need that for the Wordle spreadsheet we've got. Oh yeah, that'd be I'd be good for Wordle. Maybe you should take over the Wordle spreadsheet. Uh, anyway, that's a side issue. I, my only worry is 30 pubs. Yeah. There's inevitably going to be some stinkers in there. And what if you just find the dream pub at like pub four? Yes. And, and uh, yeah, that, and what, and you just want to stay there? Yeah. And also slump avoidance. Because this, this is one thing that happened when I was in Oxford at the weekend with my friend Tom was. He he kept saying, the, "You you fear the slump more than the slump itself." Yes, that's very true. But I think thirty pubs, you've got to factor in some kind of slump zone, or just some kind of something to brace yourself. Conversation topics was a good one when we did like a pub crawl a while back. Like put in some topics or games. But if you've got people regularly joining the crawl i wonder if that's just giving you constant bursts of adrenaline yeah because you're like oh simon's coming in two pubs time or jenny's gonna be there later so we need to get there and all that kind of thing so but like he said it is one of those things about doing it isn't it so i think if you're enjoying one you just know that's not part of today's game yeah yeah (laughs) Well, it's a superb effort. Do let us know any of your nicknames for drinks or your themed or unusual pub crawls. Send your mist to john at moonunderpod.com. But I've got to get this marble shining, Rob. Mm. I've got to, I want to get it singing. I want to get it singing its own sweet song in a minor key. Uh, so uh, I'm going to get to work on this with... I don't know, what would you use, Robin? Polish. For marble. Marble polish. Or marbles. <laughs> I'll use marbles. I'll roll marbles around on the marble until they, they shine it up a treat. That's what I'll do. I'd use a Dettol General Wipe. Would you know? But that's just the kind of guy you are. Yeah. Uh, you can take the man out of Dettol, but you can't take Dettol out of the man. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, folks, we're very excited to welcome our guest. I'm going to get my marbles on this marble, and uh, we will see you back very soon. 
Robin, my dear, warm yourself a while, why don't you? Okay, yes, I'm very cold. I'm cold to the bone. I've got very cold feet. Have I've you quite, really? Yeah, I've got poor circulation, I, you know. Well, have you seen these beautiful copper basins we've got? Yes, they're lovely. With earth-flowing warm water that sort of somehow drains and reinvigorates itself ever so. Yes, can I tow those waters? You can tow those waters, uh, Robin, for the rest of the evening, should you please. Oh, lovely. Uh, and you can sort of adjust the temperature with, I can't remember if it's your mind or just a little dial. What's the difference? Well, you wouldn't want you wouldn't want the two to be out of sync, right? Yeah. Uh, while your feet are technically in a sink, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the last thing you'd want. But I wondered, Robin, if you'd noticed sort of a strange form of, I guess you could call it heavenly interference running through the moon underwater tonight. Yes, yes, a kind of blissful uh, static. That's exactly you've actually absolutely got to the heart of the matter there. Blissful static, it is, and. I, I mean, you're a more of a sound guy than I am, but what 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 is it when a sort of a sound is going sort of in and out of phase with itself uh, endlessly? You've got white noise and you also have pink noise, but I think this is kind of, uh, you know, nut-brown noise. Is it nut-brown <laughs> noise? <laughs> yeah, it is. Is it really? Yes. And can a noise foam? Noises can foam. Yeah. Providing you put the sparkler plug in. In your effects right. chain. Well, I'm I'm just wondering why the moon underwater has picked up this nut brown noise yeah. uh, tonight that that foams ever so, and I think we're about to find out because can you see out of the uh, bow windowed glass? Mm-hmm. There's almost like it's like there's an an EQ has arranged itself on the street. Oh, I'd love it if that were so, and it is. And it's like the air is riding the levels. Love it. Yeah. And I think there might even be something riding the levels that themselves are being ridden by the air. Yes. Come through the high-pass gate into the pub. Yeah. And you'll see... Yes. Our guest. Oh, will you now? There he is, riding the sound waves on his little bottom. Oh, like that's a little, nice. Like, like going down a little slide... A slide into sound itself oh. and through the door. In he walks. It's Radio One's Greg James. Wee! Hello! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Lovely noise. Oh, Greg, what a pleasure it is to have you here in the moon underwater. Uh, please take a pew or continue to sort of ride those ululating waves. Well, I'll ride them to the bar as and when required, but it's very, very nice to be here. Thanks for that introduction. I have just woken up from a nap and I do feel like this is weirder than the dream I was just having. Well, Greg, no wonder. You look you look very fresh-faced. <laughs> you look like you've just come out of a very blissful nap. We've got a napping chamber upstairs, which is just sort of, I think, about 100,000 feathers. <laughs> nap, uh, nap before pubs is actually a really nice place to be, isn't it, though? Oh, mate. You have really got to the heart of the matter. It's the second time this evening someone's got to the heart of the matter. (laughs) There's nothing better than a sort of 3.30 to 3.55pm nap. This is, John, you have very short naps. 
Oh, it's crucial. It's crucial. But I have to put an hour aside for a nap, and I might drift off for 40, 40 45 minutes. 40, 45 is, is I think, a, an, a, the optimum time for a ma- nap. 45 minutes is, is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And anything over an hour and a half, then you, you start falling asleep for the next day, and you wake up, and your body is just going, what are you, what are you doing? Yes, yeah. For me, a, like a 14 to 22 minute nap <laughs> is like, it, it's, it's like a real little Red Bull. Sometimes you don't even know if you've been asleep. Mm. <laughs> so I sort of tried to, I tried to go back through the thought I was having. Yes. And it's sort of the thought has almost turned into a dream. Oh yeah, I like that feeling. Do you have any kind of good nap prompts, like music you listen to before a nap, Greg? Or? I have to get rid of my phone out of the vicinity. That's, that's, that's crucial. That's just, that's just bog standard stuff. But I was actually just reminded then of, of a very strange piece of, well, a, a great piece of advice, but from a strange location. Before I started doing breakfast, I had a, some, some unsolicited advice from Susanna Reid. Really? And she, and she said, she said, or well, make sure you can do naps during the day, but if you can't nap, just make sure you're at least resting in a dark room. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's, that is that's good an, advice. An inside, I wasn't sure whether the eyes were open or not, and I, I both feel weird, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to do. What are we talking about light-wise? I have to wear eye covers when I'm napping or put a pillow over my eyes. You have a little blink pillow over your eyes? Yeah, because I've got quite thin eyelids, I think. <laughs> so even quite a small amount of light. Like, I've got a battery charger, which for some reason has an LED in the plug. Get it so, out of the room. So Yeah, but I need to, what if I need to charge my battery? Battery for what? Well, any number of things. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I can't have any lights in the room. But I don't need a, 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 a you know, a, a blindfold. Yeah, I've got very thick eyelids, but I do have very sensitive ears, so I have okay. to. Oh, I, I always yes. have to plug them. Always. Really. Mm. I have to say, I've been around the houses with ear plugs because I've got. I mean, I've got two crosses to bear with my thin eyelids and my sensitive hearing. <laughs> um, but do you know what the 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 ones. You, they're like the most basic ones are actually the best. They're sort of yellow tubes without a pointed end. And you just roll them up, whack them in. They're often backstage at uh, theatres in big sort of dispensers. And I ordered some off Amazon, but I didn't realise that it was 500 packets. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got just this huge bag of them uh, under my bathroom sink. That's brilliant. I have like a music prompts for nap that I associate so strongly with drifting off that I think they'd have a Pavlovian effect on me. Like listening to From the Oast House. I've listened to that so often to fall asleep to that if I were to listen to it in the day, I'd probably just drift off. Yeah, and do you know? Do you wake up thinking that you do you know it? Do you remember it? No, I've kind of drifted off. But the, the problem with it is the theme tune keeps coming and going, so that can <laughs> wake you up. And there are bits where you're sort of shouting at someone in a distant field. Falling asleep to Partridge is actually a, another ideal situation. Isn't yeah, it? love yeah. it. So, Greg, you mentioned there radio. You mentioned breakfast radio. As someone who is also in the radio world, but would flat out refuse to ever do a programme that started before midday. (laughs) How on earth? Well, not how on earth, because, you know, I've worked nights, so I know know you can make the change, but how did, when you were doing early breakfast especially, which is what, 4am till Mm 6.30, how is that affecting, well, A, your sleep, but also, I guess, your socialising and drinking habits? Because... It's a huge commitment to change your schedule that much. I didn't mind it so much because I was 21. 
and it was and it was essentially my first proper gig out of university so and I, I didn't live in London so I moved to London and found a flat with a mate of mine and we just didn't really see each other because he was he was working obviously normal hours and I wasn't but I didn't really have I didn't really have many friends in London <laughs> and I didn't and I just really threw myself into work and then would do sort of I'd go back in and do socialising with people who were doing normal shifts I guess maybe on a Thursday or a Friday so we there was quite a big pub culture at Radio 1 it always has been so that actually it, it wasn't too bad and I, I loved it at what now doing breakfast it's much more <laughs> demoralising <laughs> and and damaging to my social life and marriage. What ti- what sort what what time is what when's bedtime for you if you've got a soon for sure really soon no around a, a about uh, half nine ten ish okay yeah okay. anything over ten thirty and you, it's a write off the next day but yeah it does it definitely uh, impacts it but uh, but I love afternoon pub you see mm. afternoon Ooh. pub is really good and that's that's the thing my my rule of 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 when, when I started the breakfast show was. Either you can be pissed or tired. You can't be both. So you can do afternoon pub, get to bed early, or you stay up and you go out, but you don't drink. Interesting. Because you, you watch that. You watch the world go by, and you watch you watch the regulars arrive, and that's quite special. But do you sort of not feel when you're in afternoon pub that actually? I mean, I guess most of the time you're on your own. Or are you with like your producer? With, or... with the producer, yeah. Or my dad, actually. Nice. My big fear with afternoon pub is the fear of the slump. You know, just that dip in energy. Yeah, there is pub slump, but you can you can deal with that. I mean, we'd all rather be at the pub at normal time, but if there's a, if there is an option of it being, you know, an early afternoon pub, then that's great. So, did you have to be careful? to know when to stop afternoon pub because like <laughs> before I guess, it became evening pub you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah and also i guess because around like five say you finish your show at uh 6 30 i'm guessing you didn't go to the pub no then. no no this was this is a breakfast show thing this is not an early breakfast thing although we did towards the end of early breakfast when the wheels had come off and i knew that i was moving shows my producer neil was uh had found out about the Smithfield pub that opens as the market's finishing. Yes, we were hearing about this from Dotton Adebayo. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, because he did earlies for eight. He did overnights for years, yeah, didn't he? Well, he still does. So he he he's he knows that pub very well. Right. So they do they do as you'll probably know pints and toast. Oh, amazing! <laughs> Which is an amazing combination, kind of wrong, doesn't it? But, yeah. Well, but, it but feels right. wrong, but actually, when you when you're in it, it feels really right. Yeah. Like if you came down to. Um, like a hotel breakfast, and they had those dispensers of cornflakes and muesli, and then an opt. Yeah, <laughs> feel like you're in a dream or one of your naps. Yeah. So, but is is it difficult then? If say you're in an afternoon pub, you go there at three, you're like, right, a few hours here, and then I'll get a lot of sleep, and then your mates start texting around six, going, oh, "Are you still out? Because we're coming out." How do you resist that temptation for? afternoon to become evening to become night I think they know now I think they know not to ask and I've and I think they have shed me oh that's a shame uh, uh, but uh, but hopefully they'll be back you know when when this when this crazy ride comes to an end (laughs) so what would be your not in terms of like necessarily the show but if you could pick any time of day to be on radio if you could pick any two and a half hour slot what would it be I think it's got to be nights isn't it I think it's probably Probably about six till eight. Six till eight, is it? Do you not think? 
or uh, or afternoons. I mean, up for my social life, it 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 was one till four when I did when I did when yes. I did when I did weekdays Correct. one till four. One, I mean, because one till four is your show, isn't it? Fridays. Yes. So that that sort of time is good. I've I've noticed though with uh, meeting John after work, there's a lot of hanging around John needs to do though. Like you know, I I can meet him about six on a Friday, and John just sort of sits in a room for two hours looking at looking at a wall. Well, yes, but uh, but we should we should say that as live broadcasters, that is very much part of the gig. You're mm. never off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think it, like you want um, you want the option of being able to avoid the rush hour if you need to get somewhere or get home. Right. But you also want to be there for. The, those first sort of aching half past four pints. Half four pints is great, I think. So, Greg, of all these afternoon pubs, we're here to create your your dream pub, which you can go to at any time of day or night. What sort of what are we talking style wise, vibe wise, tribe wise? Well, the preparing for this podcast was actually such a great look back at my life and I realised how just how important pubs have been forever I feel like as a child of the 80s and early 90s and I'm sure you can relate we were kind of born into pubs and it was ve- and they were and they were smoky and I, those are my overwhelming memories of my childhood really keep, keep talking <laughs> so my my mum and dad were both teachers and teachers we know love pubs Love drinking mm-hmm. to get through it. And so 90s pubs, particularly sort of dingy ones in the, in the Bromley area were, were, my, were, were my local hangouts. And particularly the Chatterton Arms, which was like classic, a very, very classic pub, which had, and I, the, the thing I remember vividly about it was Christmas decorations in it. And I demanded that we had similar decorations in the house at Christmas <laughs> because you know that that horrible foil stuff yeah like that's so I would have that I would have really I'd have classic tacky pub yes as my pub I love that it would be yellow yellow ceilinged and it would be sort of ro- red carpet the classic really and and there would be bacon fries um, always available. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would go oldie, uh, old style pub, that and cozy. That's those are my favourites. I love that kind of. I love. I remember. I used to go to this pub a lot with my dad. Called my my parents were both teachers as well. Um, I used to go to this pub, the Annex in Bristol, a lot with my dad. And the landlord was called Roger. He was a really funny guy, and quite curmudgeonly. And at Christmas, he had one bauble, <laughs> which he just moved to a slightly different position each night. I really like that. But a very similar vibe. When you're describing the pub, I'm thinking of the Annex in Bristol. Yeah, there, there was a very exciting moment that I remember, which was when they had a game that was brought in, which is essentially catch the egg. <laughs> and it was a kind of, it, I don't want to say it was, it wasn't a slot machine type thing, but it had, it, it was a, it was chicken based. It was a kind of, kind of cartoony. And it had loads of nails in it, and the egg would drop through the nails, and you'd okay. have to you'd have to steer the basket to catch the egg. That sounds good. Oh well, like a sort of bag. Is that a bagatelle yeah. machine? Those was things? it a hard boiled egg? It wasn't just a fresh no, no. Egg. I need to I need to say that they weren't real eggs. <laughs> okay. They were wood. They were wooden eggs. A wooden but egg. That's definitely 
but I was definitely palmed off onto that machine for quite a long time so that mum and dad could drink. <laughs> I was in a I was in a pub recently in Brighton that had this game where it's there's a, a kind of seat at the side which which looks like a very old fashioned toilet because it has a, a a hole in the middle, a very small hole, <laughs> so it'd be quite a challenging toilet. And then you have these kind of thick coins. And you have an oki like darts, and you've got to toss the coins into the hole. Oh. And it's, it was really good. And it's called something like Chucking the Toad or something. But there was a guy there, and he answered the phone and said, yeah, I'm just tossing a few toads like that. You know, you? <laughs> but that was quite good fun. If anyone listening um, knows the correct name for that game, let me know, because it was good. Yeah, all let us know, at john at moonunderpod.com, any sort of unique or strange games you've seen in pubs yeah. that have never to be seen again. Um <laughs> Greg, can I say one thing to you, which I think is going to fit into your pub? Please. Is uh, the prices of house doubles displayed on luminous cards cut into star shapes. (laughs) Yes. Am I in the right area? You definitely are. Love that. You definitely are. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Greg, this classic tacky pub with its yellow ceilings and red carpet and its uh, lovely tinsel... What are we having on draft, please? Yeah, well, I think we'd have the classics. Um, you'd have all your, you'd have all your fizz, which, which I think would get the punters in. I think you'd have to, you'd have to do that, and that's fine. Um, I, I'm really, I'm really getting into some more session uh, ales and such. Good to hear. And um, I want. I'm sure. I'm, I'm. I'm almost certain you'll know this, but there's a pub in Oxford that is one of my favourites, and they do Old Hooky. And Ooh. do you know Old Hooky? I do know Old Hooky. Yes. What's the name of the pub in Oxford, please? Uh, is the Rosen Crown? Yes. Which is yes. probably my favourite pub in the world. Like it a lot. Also, also Ian McEwan's favourite pub. Apparently, he lives. Is it really? He used to live around there. But yeah, beautiful pub. I mean, it's it, it's such a. I mean, it looks like kind of between you, you step in and it feels like you're in the 1930s or something yeah. doesn't it it's fantastic. so I'd, I'd i'd like a bit of that energy in my pub as well uh rickety and and cavernous is nice but yeah i'd put old hooky on i'd put um so ju- i'm just gonna say i'm just gonna say greg that old hooky just misses out on my definition of session <laughs> okay 
Alt Hook is 4.6, and I say, I say, right. I'm I'm not a governing body, no. <laughs> uh, but I say that session starts at 4.5, but you're certainly within the, the aroma of session. Mm. And what's happened there is it, I've exposed myself as a newbie to a session. And that's and that's actually, I, I can learn a lot from this. I'd say under five is session for me. Well, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you've, you've left, you've, you've, You've left Dr. Fact at the door. <laughs> um, well, you know, the thing is, because uh, beers have got so much stronger, there are some beers that say Session Ale and they're 5.2%. Mm. Well, that's insane. Um, but I, I will allow... Oh, oh, well, you have whatever you like. But I will, allow you, I will allow you to refer to it as Session in your world. John is closing down the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> is Old Hooky quite a kind of... Um, you know, coppery, uh, autumnal kind of a, an ale, or is it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And there's 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 uh, hooky gold as well oh, for a special okay. occasion. Lovely, um, which I really really like, and I can just sort of chug. But they, but it's also very important to have it in the proper tankard. Yes, because you know? the Rosen Crown does those tankards, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it serves them by default in a tankard. Yeah, you you yeah you, you have to specify whether you don't want a tankard. And yeah, I love it. And that's something that I will bring into my pub at some point. Yeah. So Old Hooky, four point six percent from the Hook Norton Brewery. Uh, what's your second draft choice? I'm going to put Guinness on because I really really enjoy Guinness very very much. Yeah. Have you always been a Guinness drinker? I have since I was introduced to it. By my dad, I think probably just before university, because he said this this will serve you well. <laughs> You're going to need this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, pack me off with a, an Ethernet cable and a, <laughs> <laughs> and some Guinness. Nice. <laughs> and one of the first ever laptops. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, those that, that's uh, that's definitely on. Um, and then I'd probably... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, oh, sorry. Okay, do you, you want to talk some more? you completed sorry. your choices. Oh, right. Okay. I was going to go to some spirits and some bottles, but yeah. Oh. But like, whenever you, you want. We shall get to them. Um, Old Hooky also strikes me as a very good draft pint for a pavilion. Yes. Because cr- cricket is your other, uh, outside of radio, and you do combine the two, but cricket is one of your big passions. It is. But that's really probably where my drinking habits started. It was mm. pub with mum and dad, but also at various village cricket clubs. There's always a great bar, and that's really where you hang out with your mates, isn't it? And it's it 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 quickly goes from diet cokes at under twelves. Maybe you'd have a, a lemonade at under fourteens, and then suddenly at fifteen you might have a shandy post match. And that's sort of how it starts, isn't it? So I would, I, I, ideally in an ideal world, what I'd like to do one day is combine the two: is have a is ha, is is run a cricket club which has a bar in it. Well, my first ever experience of, you know, properly drinking in a in a bar or a pub, you know, where you would sit down and get rounds in was at Thornbury Cricket Club, where I played until I was about, well, until I left for uni, really. Uh, W.G. Grace uh, played there. W.G. Grace's brother played there a lot. What initials is he? Who's he? Uh... Good question. It's the Bristol connection as well. There's a pub, the Old England, which still which W. G. Grace used to practice in because they used to have nets out the back. You can see in the gardens where they used to Incredible. have been. Nice pub. You can imagine W. G. in a pub though. That's and that's that's really the mark of a of a great cricketer is a, a cricketer that you can imagine yeah. slumped slumped in the corner of a pub. <laughs> 
<laughs> so E.M. Grace uh, is one of his brothers who played for Gloucestershire. So it, it could have been it could have been him. However, he also had a uh, a brother, Edward Grace, played for Thornbury Castle. Oh right. So there's a castle in Thornbury, which is only about you know two minutes drive from the cricket club. But pretty much every single member of the Grace family played for a club in the Southwest. <laughs> Great. Uh, whether it's Gentlemen of Gloucester or um, Gloucestershire Gypsies, Edgar Grace played for. Um, so it could have been, I can't remember, I think it might have been E.M. Grace, though. <laughs> Who's your favourite Grace? Is it W.G.? <laughs> no, no, no. E.M. Yeah. <laughs> but there was something like, whereas if you'd sneaked into a pub, you would feel it was like illicit and you might get caught mm. and you were doing something wrong. Whereas in a cricket club, there was almost like a sort of, there was a very much a sense of, right, lads, you have your pint of cider. If you behave yourselves, that's fine. But as soon as you get any silliness, there won't be any more. And I remember once we'd had maybe like two pints of lager each. And then... I went up and ordered us four Bloody Marys. <laughs> that is classic Robbins. In a cricket club. And, well, this was, and, was, and make it worse, this was the lunch interval. Yeah. Well, the guy who was serving was, I think, the captain of the second eleven, And he just, he said, okay, he said, it was, re- I think this is really classy. He said, okay, I'll bring them over to your table. And he came over to the table and he said, right, lads, you've had a couple of pints of cider, uh, a couple of pints of lager. We can't be getting into ordering Bloody Marys and things like that. So how about you have uh, four pints of Coke and we'll call it call it a night. And it I mean, was that's just a rubbish such, deal. Yeah, I know. But it was sort of it was we were 14, 15. Mm. Yeah. Now, there's no chance that that's happening these days. But I just thought it was a really classy adult way of dealing with the situation. Yes. And we all went, do you know what, you got a point. We probably shouldn't be, you know, having loads of spirits and stuff. But uh, I, I think, I do think, not that anyone should drink underage, uh, but to do it in a, a sort of caring environment where, you know, they turn the odd blind eye, nudge and a wink, but best, very best of order. <laughs> So Greg, we need we need some bottles and cans for this uh, this beautiful tacky pub of yours. What are we going to go for? Mm. You're supping you're supping a wine in the moon underwater this I am. evening. I thought I'd have a I thought I'd just have a little something because I feel it's a bit of a shame that we're not actually in a pub and I'd really yes. enjoy. And I don't. Well, we are in a pub though. No, Greg. I know. Sorry, sorry. Yes, but no, in a in. Uh, well, we're in a, uh, we're in a pub in our minds. Yeah, I'm in a cul-de-sac here, aren't I? Um, <laughs> But no, I, I, I genuinely, it's not a radio lie, I'd quite like to be in an actual pub with you. I think that would be a nice experience because we, we clearly all love pubs very much. Mm. I think I'm probably my happiest in a pub, I'd say. 
Is that Greg will, t- will take you to the secret pub one day. I'd like that. I would really like that. So I've got a, a little glass of a, just a glass of red, a Montepulciano, mm. which I like. I quite like a, a, an Italian red like that, sort of quite heavy-ish. I don't, I don't like a, I don't like anything that's too weak. So I wouldn't have a Pinot Noir. I would have a Montepulciano. I'd probably put a Malbec on just because people like that. They go for that, don't they? They're like, I'll have a Malbec. So that's, mm. I put that on. So hang on, you're having two red wines no, as your no, two no, bottle no. choices? No, no, no. Okay, I'll, I'll retract the Malbec. Okay. So I'm having, a, I'm having, I'm having an affordable Montepulciano. Oh, that's nice of and, you. And I'm going to, because it's, it feels fancier than it actually is, I think. And I always feel fancier drinking it. Uh, and then you sort of look at the rest of the the Italian reds, and you go, "Oh yeah, this is this is low rung, but it feels great." I made the mistake, I think, with that specific Italian red of recognising the name, but never finishing reading the name. It well, takes uh, so long well, to read the name. <laughs> yeah, I sort of clock it and go, "Yeah, I know what that is." But how do you actually spell Montepulciano? Montepul Montepulciano. Uh, M Monte M O N T E P U L. Yeah. And then C I A N O. Yes, that looks about right. Greg, you're a big um you're a big wine drinker in the bathtub, are you not? I am actually. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Is that is that a, is that a red wine situation or would that be a white yeah, wine? Yeah, normally. I think if it's a summer bath, it might be a, a dry rosé. Drinking in the bath is something not something I've ever have you not? I really done that. Well, with the absence of a pub, actually, you know what? You might have you might have just worked this out for me. With the absence of a pub in the evening, yeah, the bath might be my new pub. Really? Yeah, because I do have a little array of snacks with me. I will have a glass of of red. Yeah, that's maybe it's. And I do feel quite at, at at peace there. Yeah, but don't you get too hot drinking booze in the bath? <laughs> I think that's a great feeling. It's, I suppose I, a cold I, can might be good. Yeah, cold can. I've 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 watched yeah a little um a little Guinness in the bath quite nice as well. Guinness sure. in the bath. Yeah, I I baths are one of the things I use on nights where I can't have a drink, because I absolutely hate the sensation of being wet and drunk. <laughs> so I think if say I say I went out and fell in a big puddle of mud. After a few cans or a few pints, I've, so it was three sheets to the wind and got all muddy. I honestly don't think I would be able to get into a shower after drinking because there's something about it. I find it so sort of discombobulating. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I love it. I really do love it. I, I like sloshing around <laughs> in my brain and my body. But I, I mean, I, I used to like reading in a bath. But you do that thing, don't you, where you, you forget and you put your hand underwater and you go, oh, now what do I do? Yeah. You know, how do I turn this page? Endless books on radiators. I, I used to go out with someone who always read in the bath and pretty much every time would drop their book in the mm. bath. So you should end up with all these crinkled tomes sort of placed around the house. Yeah, I've got a few of those. You just you just need to simple solution, Robin, is you just have to have a little flannel next to you. Just um just ready to go. And that flannel can dry the hands ready for the book or just to mop the brow. Like it, like it. I also the the new iPhones are waterproof, so you could always read an yeah, ebook on yeah, those. Not, it doesn't matter if you're not you drop as waterproof it in. as you as you think. There's, there's really? always a panic. Yeah, it always goes a little bit Yeah, I don't know if it's advisable, that. Okay, I retract that advice. I saw Brian May post a test where he (laughs) took one underwater in a swimming pool. And was it okay? Um, 
Yeah, it was fine. He can dry it on his hair, though. You see, he'll hide it in his hair. That's such a Brian May thing to do. I've heard that the new iPhones are waterproof, so I'm going to take one to the swimming pool. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't like his local baths. He was on holiday <laughs> reclining in a, in a nice resort. What are you doing today, Brian? Well, yeah. <laughs> but he's interested, Robin. He is very interested. He remains interested. He's interested and interesting, and the only and the, I watched him on Fox's Live, and I'm sure you watched that, John. Did you watch it back in the old days? I got the box right. set. Well, I, I just whenever someone mentions Brian May, I can't I, ne- I I can't get out of my head that he keeps foxes. He has them as pets, and he's always walking around with them. I did I didn't know that. Wonderful man. What was your second bottle or can, please, Greg? My second bottle will be a dry rosé. Ooh. Now, my introduction to rosé was very much your sweet end of the scale. Oh, no. No, no, no. Your Echo Falls. No. Y- your Ernst and Galliano, whatever it is. The dry... What is the... Why go for a dry rosé over a dry white wine is my question, because for, to me they taste quite similar. Yeah, but it's different grape, though, isn't it? Because rosé is, is, a, is a red grape, and, and white, for me, is, too, is, is far too acidic. And uh, I, I don't, I don't, it goes straight to me head. I Does really, it really? Uh, yeah, I'm really not not into it. Well, that's what I like about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'd always go for a rosé. And really, yeah, especially in the sunshine. Do you have a specific uh, one in model in mind? Oh, what's the one I like? Um, not not particularly. No, there's uh, what's a good one? There's oh, uh, do you know what? I quite we quite got into last summer. Was the Angelina Jolie one? Oh, really? Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, the Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt one, which is which I got because it was just so fascinating to me that they've still they've still got the wine custody of joint custody of the wine together. Mm. Is it called Mirabelle or Mirabeau or something? I think it's just called a uh, Brangelina Rosé. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the Brangelina Rosé. So maybe we'll put that on as a as a as a special. Does it, Why not? Yeah. It's quite it is quite tacky. It is quite tacky. I, I, but I, I quite like it. It's very strange when you go into... Increasingly now, there are celebrity wines. So Gordon Ramsay's got a wine. Ian Botham's got his wines. <laughs> um, Kylie Minogue. Graham Norton has a rosé. Yeah. The singer from Tool has, a, has his own wine. Queen also brought out a vodka and a beer yeah. and, a, I think, a wine as well. Iron Maiden did that. I think they sort of started the whole thing. Jimmy really. Anderson had a wine. Did he really? Yeah, he did. Uh, have you tried Botham's wines? I've, <laughs> I've not tried Botham's wines, but I have tried. I think Stuart Broad had one, or maybe it was just a. What? It might have been a spawn deal with Wolf Blass. <laughs> oh, but, uh, WB. Yeah, WB Grace. Um, I'm imagining Botham's wine tasting of beef. <laughs> yeah. The thing with Ian Botham, though. Uh, Greg, and I don't want to put you into territory that professionally you're uncomfortable with, but I think he's an acquired taste. I think that's uh, an accurate description, yeah. But he's a big wine. I also have heard he he can fucking drink. Like, in a sort of way that he can can drink in a way that his batting and bowling in his pomp would suggest yeah, yeah. like he's got hollow legs can really hold a big session yeah well he 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 drinks like he bats and he drinks like he bowls and there was that was that famous story isn't there that he tells regularly which is when they used to have a day off in the test match 
they would all go around to his house and have a big old piss up, England and Australia. Amazing. And then they'd go and they'd go back on on Monday. <laughs> Amazing. Hanging. And I, I think that was, I might have mixed up these stories, but I think that might have been, that might have been Botham's ashes when they went back the next day and won. I think that might be it, you know. There was a, they, they, they all got pissed on the Sunday and went back on the Monday and, and won. <laughs> well, it, it's sort of fine if both teams are doing the same thing, because then you're at least on an even yeah. plane. Yeah. What was that story about flying over, flying over to Australia for the Ashes? And there's a, a competition to see how many cans you could drink, wasn't there? <laughs> That's David Boone, wasn't it? Holds the record for the most stubbies drunk, or was it? Merv I think it's Hughes. Hughes. I think it's. I think it was Merv Hughes because he still does. He does tours, Merv Hughes, and he he hosts them. So part of his. Well, he drinks all those cans. Well, yeah, he's, pay, he sits pay to watch yeah. him. No, you, basically, yeah, <laughs> essentially, that you've summed it up. God, they there's a tour company that uses him as the poster boy. And he, that you go, you go over there, and you you are like a, a, a sort of British tourist, and you go tickets for the match and everything. But he sits with you in the stands. He sits with you there, and you can just hang out with him and, and get drunk with Merv. Because didn't he have forty two cans on that flight? <laughs> Is that the record? Meaning of life, something like that. Wow. <laughs> the thing about Ian Botham, though, is he doesn't ever. No one's ever told me that he drinks, but when you see him, you go. Oh look, there's a drinker. But it it's weird that he he's really really into wine. He's not someone who's just signed a thing saying, "Yeah, you can release a wine with my name on it." He is a sort of quite obsessed with wine, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. Well, he obsessed uh, with wine. He's obsessed with but maybe I'm obsessed with wine, but maybe not to that extent. There's plenty of plenty of time left, I guess. Hmm. But uh, he spends a lot of time out in isn't it Australia and Spain. And... Yeah, but like being obsessed with wine, such an, a great thing to be obsessed with, isn't it? You go, yeah. <laughs> you I'm nearly said with such wine. an easy thing to be obsessed with, then, and you're absolutely right. It is an easy thing to be obsessed with. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh yeah, I'm obsessed with wine now. Can you send me to Australia to look at the vineyards? Oh, it's because I'm ever so obsessed with it. Can I? Can yeah. I oh, actually, maybe I should go to France now because I'm so obsessed with wine. Actually, <laughs> it's a good point, Rob. We should do on the next behind the cellar door. We should do a celebrity wine tasting where oh, we taste. Oh, that'd be good. Ramsey versus Botham versus <laughs> Kylie versus Angelina. I'd like to get the guy from Tools one. I think that's genuinely really nice. Mm. But yeah, we should definitely do that. The Jimmy that'd one be, is nice, and we should call the segment "Obsessed with Wine." Yeah. <laughs> and look, I, I don't want to. I don't want to butt in because I've already had uh, this uh, invitation. But I, I would be very up for joining you, even in an. Oh, even, we should do in that. Off, even, even in an off-air capacity, just because I'm so obsessed with wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, we should do. We should come on tail enders, and we should test both them. Jimmy and Blowers has got his own wine. <laughs> You can buy it off his website. What's it? It must. Hang on. It must have a, a comedy name. It must be my. Oh, it's called my dear, dear old, old thing, thing yeah. Chardonnay. Is something. it really? Oh, oh let wow. me look it up in my mind. <laughs> so funny. Henry Blofeld, Cote de Rhone, Villages Massif du Chaux, Blowers Rhone. Blowers Rhone. Blowers White. <laughs> Blowers Rhone. Blowers Rhone and Blowers White. <laughs> that would be great. If we, I'm sure we could get uh, uh, a couple of those, couldn't yeah, we? For sure. Well, with Jimmy Anderson not going to the West Indies, he's got a couple of months off, so we should strike. Oh, let's go on the lash. We strike. On the, on the cricketer's wine mm-hmm. lash. I'd love that so much. We'll do a blind tasting and see if Jimmy can. Jimmy thinks his own wine is the best. <laughs> oh, what a! Oh, this is so. This is music to my ears. Writes itself. 
But now we must take a break from our obsession with wine <laughs> to hand over to Robert Alder for the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. Played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Welcome to this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. No Googling, because you're just Googling yourself. Um, three questions, and the answers are in part two. And this week's quiz is actually about being obsessed with wine, in a way. But um, <laughs> one of the questions is, it's about booze in films. Oh, nice topic. We've all had a white Russian after watching The Big Lebowski, but have we ever... I don't know. <clears throat> anyway, on with the quiz. <laughs> I wrote that down. Um, on with the quiz. Question one. In the 1958 war film Ice Cold in Alex, what lager does John Mills drink at the end of the film? in what looks like the most unbelievably refreshing beer that has ever existed. Very, <laughs> very famous scene from a very famous film, Ice Cold in Alex. What brand of lager does he drink? Question two. Now, this is, relates to being obsessed with wine. In the film Sideways, two middle-aged dudes travel through Southern California wine country. Miles, played by Paul Giamatti, has a favourite and a least favourite type of red wine. Can you name them? So he's got a favourite red wine and a least favourite red wine. Can you tell me what his... What they are? <laughs> Can you tell me what they are? Blowers de Rhone. <laughs> Blowers de Rhone <laughs> is up there. And finally, question three. In Casablanca, you could order a French 75 at Rick's Bar. But how would you make a French 75? So those are your three questions. Thank you so much to Robert Ander for the Moon Underwater pub quiz. You can find out the answers uh, in part two. We're going to string you out on a couple of uh, Greg James-shaped tenterhooks. Uh, just a reminder to head to moonunderpod.com to find out how you can support this podcast on Patreon and get bonus features like the aforementioned Behind the Cellar Door podcast. Uh, but we look forward to rejoining you with Greg James very shortly. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 